Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, January 29th. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 15, the second paragraph, which begins, My Wife and I Abandoned. Today's readers are Michelle, Kimmy, Susan C., and Penny C., and uh, reading the steps will be Melanie and the traditions, Lauren. The reference number for yesterday's meeting, Tuesday, January 28th, is 5832. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Melanie to read the 12 steps. Press star one, Melanie, to unmute. Uh, Janice, can you read the 12 steps for us? Yes, I'd be glad to. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Okay. Um, My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 steps of OA, one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God 
as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Janice. I will now ask Lauren to read the Twelve Traditions. Thank you. Lauren S. Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Pittsburgh. One, our, the Twelve Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be anonymous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Lauren. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 15, um, paragraph 2, which begins, My wife and I abandoned ourselves. I will now ask Michelle to get us started. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Michelle H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Missouri. 
my wife and I abandoned ourselves with enthusiasm to the idea of helping other alcoholics to a solution of their problems. It was fortunate for my old business associates remained skeptical for a year and a half, during which I found little work. I was not too well at the time and was plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment. This sometimes nearly drove me back to drink, but I soon found that when all other measures failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day. Many times I have gone to my old hospital in despair. On talking to a man there, I would be amazingly lifted up and set on my feet. It is a design for living that works in rough going. And then the very first sentence really jumped out at me, how he and his wife abandoned themselves and with enthusiasm because they had this idea of helping other suffering alcoholics to the same solution um, that they had found, that their, that their problems could be solved the same way that Bill had found um, he was being helped by these um, revolutionary and drastic proposals that we call the 12 steps that um, <clears throat> help us uh, the same way that it helped Bill. And that now that, that we have been pulled back from those gates of death um, out of gratitude, out of gratitude to our higher power, um, you know, we abandon ourselves now too, just like Bill, just like Bill is doing here. And enthusiasm to the idea, yes, because I am so grateful that this has worked for me. This has removed the obsession uh, for me to go to food. This has um, also helped me to uh, realize that, uh, you know, I have been selfish and self-centered, and this is not a way of living. You know, living on self-reliance and thinking only of myself did not bring me uh, the joy of living. But... Um, but being other-centered and, and looking to help other people to find the solution that has helped me, um, that is, is joy for living. And, and I, w- I was on shaky ground. I, I, I just read this and I hear that, you know, Bill's a little bit on shaky ground here, still having those, those moments of self-pity and resentment. Um, but it, <clears throat> um, it didn't, it didn't um, keep him from going out and helping others. In fact, he found that working with another alcoholic would save the day, would, would help him being other-centered and thinking, how can I be of service to others today, um, not thinking of myself. And this is, this is this new design for living, from moving from a place where I was selfish and self-centered and thinking of only about myself. And these steps have taken me, transformed me, changed me um, from a place of now I'm at a place of gratitude and seeing how how can I carry this message? How can I be of service to others? Um, and um, this this is a new way of living. This is a preferred way of living, and brings me into a a place of living on a spiritual plane. And um, it is it is a place that um, I want to remain today, one day at a time, with asking myself each morning, God, how can I be of service to other people? And the only way I can do that is to abandon myself, abandon self, and look to how I can be of service to others. And and Bill is paving the way and showing us um, in his story how he commenced to do that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Can I share? 
This sometimes nearly drove me back to drink. But I soon found that when all other measures failed, when all else failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day. Many times I have gone to my old hospital. How precious that this guy wouldn't just go off into the sunset or just, you know, take whatever's around him or go down to the Bowery and see the guys by the, the pail with the, 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 the fires burning. But he'd go down to that hospital. That's not a pleasant place for a lot of people to go. And on talking to a man there, I would be amazingly lifted up and set on my feet. It is a design for living that works in rough going. What is a design for living? All that we're learning here is that we take our eyes off ourselves and put them on someone else. That is the crux of the matter for this new design of living. Thanks for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. Arlene? This is Eileen from Bedford, Massachusetts. I'm a compulsive eater. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to share. This is such a wonderful paragraph. Um, Yeah, I mean, be other-centered. Instead of into the I, I, I's and the me, 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 which is where I was for 18 years until I finally got the willingness to surrender and got this program and understand now for the first time in my life what it means to work with others and and um, and to feel that sense of, uh, of despair uh, relieved from me and, and to see the light in someone else's eyes. I, I do that professionally. I am a counselor. I'm a substance abuse counselor. And, and the light in my own eyes because I'm working this program because I weigh and measure my food. I do not eat sugar and flour. Those are drugs for me. I don't broadcast that to people. I don't disclose that to people because you are the people who understand. The alcoholic or the drug addict or the whatever addict, it's just another form of drug to escape into, to, to avoid whatever you're feeling in the moment. Work with others, save the day. It does. It really does. And I didn't realize this for 18 years until I finally got this fellowship back in 2004. And um, it, it gives me so much meaning in my life to know that that's what God intended me, my higher power intended me to do is to work with other alcoholics or addicts or food addicts, whatever the disease or whatever the drug. And in my life, I feel like such a a good person because I do this. And it it really inspires me. So thanks for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you, Arlene. Uh, Bella, you're next. Thank you. Good morning. 
Thank you, Kathy, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. I love this paragraph. It's a wonderful, wonderful paragraph because I see black and white how uh, I can make my life a quality to live a quality life, and it's in my hand. Um, it brings me, I see, and it brings me away again the reminder that I am a human being. I am not perfect. And as a human, I got a gift from God to have feelings. Now, before the program, I... I was, I was afraid for my feelings. I wanted to run away from them. I didn't respect my feelings. Uh, sure, the feelings as happy and uh, excited, it was wonderful to feel. But what about self-pity and resentment and anger? Now, thank God, thank God, it's a miracle. I am gifted that I know I have those kind of feelings. And the program teach me, Bella, don't run away, just respect the, the way you feel. And now I have the tools how to deal with them, not to run to the food because the food will not solve me those feelings. Now I, I know that, thank God, the program taught, is teaching me that I am responsible of my own life and I have a power to choose the right choice one day at a time. And yes, if I feel resentment and if I feel uh, self-pity, it's okay. But don't stay there. I am not like before building around myself walls of big walls that, yes, I am self-pity and I have self-pity and I am and I have those resentment. And yes, Bella, stick with it with the anger. Not anymore. I, I, I got the tools from the program. Bella, you don't have to be isolated. Go out from yourself. Now when I feel the anger and the resentment and the self-pity, I know I have the opportunity to come closer to God and to choose a better choice. Yes, I want to, to, to go out, out for myself and to see not my, myself only, to see that there are other people too that there are other people that they are suffering. Yes, I got quality from God that I can share with other people my experience, strength, and hope. I, I have a solution. I don't have to stay in my self-pity. Yes, I choose to be connected to God and to understand, oh, wait a minute, I have those feelings as a gift to know who I am, what I am, and where I am. Yes, I don't need to be alone anymore. I am not embarrassed. I am not ashamed. I am not guilty of feeling those feelings. I am going outside. I, am, I know now I am not alone. I am not lonely. Yes, I have other people that I can give, and they are here for me too. They can listen to me too. And it's a wonderful, wonderful gift from God to have the feelings and to respect them and to live in equality. And the quality comes only because I know how to respect my feelings. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. 
Thank you, Bella. Lauren, you're next. All right. Lauren S. from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, recovered today from compulsive overeating. Um, when, when, I, when I reached page nine, I, there's two different ways I was um, taught to read these pages when I started on page nine. And um, I, I wrote, in the second half of Bill's story, I look at my willingness by underlining anything I find that I'm not willing to do that Bill did to recover. So when I was on page nine, I was, um, that was when I was just starting the steps. And I was on step one. And page nine to 16, which we are currently in, is Bill's steps two to 12. So I underlined things that I thought I wouldn't be willing to do. And then the second part of how I read these pages 9 to 16 was after the eighth step, I can look back over this section for what I can relate to. So whenever we in the study reached um, page 84, which is the um, end of the ninth step promises, so that says eighth step, but we did our steps eight and then um, talked about step nine in the same meeting. Of course, step nine was done outside of the meeting, but I looked over this to see what I could relate to. So if you're going through this work and you're at step one, then underline things that you think you are not willing to do, you are not willing to do. And then if you're going through this after finishing your step one, after completing your amends, and after you've gotten a relationship with a God of your understanding, look back over this. Look back over page 9 to 16 and, and say, what can I relate to? What can I relate to? And um, uh, now that I'm at, at, um, able to, to sponsor, I read this with, fresh, with, with new eyes. I, I say, am I willing to abandon myself with enthusiasm to the idea of helping other compulsive overeaters? Am I willing to do that? I am. Um, and I was, I was thinking a lot about, like, you know, people will say, how do you stay abstinent before you're recovered? Because recovering, for me at least, was a pretty scary process. I had the obsession, and um, I knew that I could not um, binge. I could not pick up my ingredients. And I, I say, well, you know, when I was going through my steps, I I, stay, I stayed abstinent completely, but I had this attitude that I think some people don't have when they begin the step work. And the attitude that I have that many people in the book talk about is an attitude of if I drink, if I binge, I will die. So my step zero is, is um, I have removed all of the solutions for my life where I'm left with two. I'm left with two solutions. Either I binge eat and I die, or I accept spiritual health. And that's what propelled me to do step two. No one forced me to do the work. It's just I was propelled because if I didn't do my first step questions, if I didn't read the book, I was going to die. If I didn't call my sponsor, I was going to die. If I didn't um, listen to recovered people on certain meetings, I was going to die. If I didn't pray, get on my knees and pray after my third step, I was going to die. So it wasn't like I didn't have a choice. It wasn't like, how do I stay abstinent? How do I have the willingness to do this? 
Well, I, I knew my solution. I knew that if I didn't, I was going to die. I was going to die from this disease. So until I had those two conclusions, I don't think I was ready to surrender myself to this program. And, um, and I just, I just came to that room. I just learned, I just found the words to express that this morning. So, uh, um, hopefully that can be of help and, uh, I will pass. Thank you, Lauren. Uh, Sarah. Good, good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everybody. My name is Sarah. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, when it talked about um, uh, plagued by self-pity and resentment, um, you know, I have to be real in life. That's part of my recovery, you know, allowing my authentic self to come out. And, of course, you know, to not be so plagued with, you know, self-desires. But when tragedy hits or when difficulty hits, um, to allow myself to to feel grief, to feel sadness. My my mother passed away on the 10th. And the only reason why, you know, I'm not saying it for self-pity, but to express my gratitude in the fact that, you know, working with others is so important to me uh, in the midst of working through the grief. Um, you know, it... it Happy, joyous, and free uh, does come into play in in recovery after we've worked the steps, and I think that it's real. But the reality of things happen in recovery that can be difficult and allowing ourselves to feel those things is extremely important because if we don't work through those, they're going to come back and we're going to have to work through them again probably uh, in a much more difficult way. So I am so grateful to the people that I do work with, uh, whether they be uh, my sponsor or people that I work with. Um, You know, oftentimes the reality is that the people that we work with, that we're working through the steps with, teach us more uh, than we teach them. It's just kind of the way the the whole evolution of the thing works. And uh, if anybody is afraid uh, and has worked through their ninth step, is afraid to work with others, um, you know, I, I promise you that, you know, so many wonderful things happen through working with others uh, that, that allow us to grow and to learn and to be much closer to our higher power. And I'm so grateful for the meeting this morning and grateful for uh, the 12 steps and abstinence and, and the program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Monica. Katie. Okay. Maria. I heard Monica and Katie. And who else? Hilda. 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 Maria. Maria. Susan. Susan. Okay. So we have Monica, Katie, Hilda, Maria, and Susan. Okay, Monica. Your turn. Mm, Good morning. Thank you very much. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. So here we are, um, Bill's story. And um, 
On the page before, Bill had his sudden spiritual experience, the bright light where he gets his personality change and he gets the change in his thinking and attitude from God very quickly, bang. And here on the next page here, we're reading that I was not too well at the time and I was plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment at times. So I think this paragraph right here is very important in that it's saying, you know, you go through these steps, you get the spiritual awakening, and it's not going to be a bed of roses. You're not going to be this 100% perfect human being. Life is still going to happen, and you are still going to have resentments pop up. You're still going to feel a little self-pity every now and then. Things are still going to happen. But more importantly here, he goes on and he tells us, what we need to do when life comes at us. Because it's going to. And I'm a human being, and I'm still going to make mistakes. I'm still going to have thoughts of resentments. I'm still going to have little dishonest thoughts come up every now and then. I'm, you know, all these things are still going to happen. But it's what I do with those thoughts that's going to be different now as a result of spiritual awakening. And he said here the most important thing he learned very, very quickly was to get out of himself and help somebody else. That when he was feeling down and depressed, if he helped another alcoholic, it would make him feel better every single time and he didn't have to reach for the alcohol for that ease and comfort. Helping another one. So we're really seeing here service. Step 12, working with another compulsive overeater will save the day every time. And uh, it, it's a must, it's, and it's a design for a living that works in rough going. That's steps 10, 11, and 12 to keep us going. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Katie. Good morning. This is Katie, recovered compulsive overeater in Central Virginia, um, and I'm just reading this paragraph, and, and you know, these are all things that I have said to myself. Well, I can't, I can't stay abstinent because I'm sick. I can't stay abstinent because I don't have a job. I can't stay abstinent because people are, you know, rejecting me. So this is showing us that no, you know. <laughs> Everything can happen in life, and you can still continue to work your program. You know, I don't, I don't only work my program when I'm having a good day. I don't only, I don't only talk to sponsees when I'm in a good mood. I pick up that phone, you know, every morning when people call me, and I don't tell them my stuff. I don't tell them, you know, what I had to deal with with my sponsor. I'm available to them. And this is why we do this, because it is a design for living that works in rough going. So this is laying out a way that you can change your mode of living. You know, for me, I had spent 27 years uh, living my life on self-will run riot. And when um, the tough, you know, when things got tough, my first reaction was to pick up the food. So, you know, I'm very sorry for, um, I'm sorry, I, I know it begins with an S, but I don't know who shared that her mother just passed away. And, you know, that's life. I mean, all of us have parents and we have 
uh, siblings and we have relatives who are going to die and we have you know jobs we're going to not have forever and ever and we have you know uh, clothes that'll wear out and we have all these things that are going to happen and this is a design for living that works in every situation um, you know I don't just uh, call my sponsor you know while I'm working the steps and then I'm done working the steps and then I'm done I have to keep living in 10, 11, and 12. And if you're living in 10, 11, and 12, that means you're dealing with other people and things are going to come up. And I have to constantly look at my side of the street and learn what am I doing wrong? What can I change? And that's what Bill did. Here he is in his first year and a half of recovery. He doesn't have a job. He's sick. And yet he doesn't pick up. He goes and visits the hospital where he... Um, was helped and you know that's what we're doing every week if you go to your meeting you know you, we don't graduate from going to our home group we still go to that meeting and when there's a newcomer we embrace them and we offer them hope and solutions um, you know there's no graduation from this where you know we've we've recovered we've done the steps and now you know I've lost all the weight and I'm you know hip slick and cool and and I don't need this anymore you know, I've been absent for a long time, and I still get on my knees every morning and thank God that I'm abstinent today because this disease is progressive, and it's waiting for me. I am not cured. I am recovered one day at a time based on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. And this is what he's talking about. It's about giving it away, sharing with others, and getting out of myself without a pass. Thank you, uh, Katie. Hilda. Hi, it's Hilda, recovering compulsive overeater. Um, I wanted to share today. I'd like to respond to how it how it is a miracle and it does work. You know, if you turn it over to your higher power, and how for me, you know, the connection. What I'm hearing is the design for living, and that things happen in life because things have happened in my life you know, a lot of tragedy recently and because of the program and because of my connection with the higher power and and the connection with people in the program calling me at times when I can't even pick up the phone, I'm so depressed. I have gone through, I'm going through what I'm going through, losing the home and everything with and, and so many other things with being abstinent and that is a major miracle. I don't even know how. And, and I, I, I just, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm trying not to question it too much. I'm doing a lot of praying and, and turning it over and, and asking for guidance. And uh, I, I've absolutely have not picked up, you know, during a very during crisis. And I, I'm so grateful. And I, 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 you know, for some, I really want to say it really started with this meeting. I've gone to other meetings, and there's something about this meeting that is very special. The people are very special, very loving, and um, I'm just so grateful because everything's going to go on anyway, and it would be a whole lot worse if I was binging and in a fog and dealing with the shame and guilt and, and self-hatred because I'm binging. And, you know, I just feel so much, you know, clearer and, I, and more hopeful. So um, <clears throat> I invite calls. And I wish I could remember names so I can get their numbers, but I'd like to leave my number later, you know, whenever it's possible, you know, for more calls so I can reach out as well back 
but thank you so much for your service. Um, with that, I pass. Have a great day. Thank you, Hilda. You're welcome. Uh, Maria. Hi, this is Maria. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. The first phrase really struck me as abandoning oneself with enthusiasm, and it's pretty much how I feel now about um, helping others in the program because I've been helped so much. As a professional, I've always been uh, able to help others either on the job with the people who reported to me or I was able to do hospice work or take my dogs to dog therapy. It was always easy to do those things. But giving of myself through my struggles and my, my, one of my biggest um, hardships in life, to be able to give of myself through my pain and, and what I've been able to accomplish after so many years of having failed all the time, you know, that, that was always difficult, and I didn't want to do it. You know, when I started sponsoring before in another program, I did it because I had to. I was very fear-based, and I, and, and I was always told that, you know, you, you have to give it away to keep it and, and you know, things like that. And, and I, I, I did it out of a fear of losing what I, what I thought I had. Well, you know, to, today for me that doesn't work at all. Um, last weekend, I, I went through a, a day of total morbid self-reflection, and uh, I was working. I was I was doing a tenth step, and you know, I, I felt like I was making progress, treading water. But it occurred to me afterwards that the high point of my day was really talking to sponsees where I was able to get out of myself and I was able to get a gratification from helping another person more than any other experience I've ever felt. And, you know, that just kind of hit me like a, a thunderbolt. So, you know, here I am today and I'm able to see the gift in the greatest struggle that I've had. You know, I've, I haven't been able to beat food addiction. Yeah, I, I was abstinent for a long period of time, but I was crazy abstinent. You know, I didn't pick up the food, but I didn't have the spiritual gifts that I had today. Religious, sure. I thought I was religious, but, um, you know, I, the phrase loving others, as, like yourself, that always eluded me to. You know, I, I thought I did, but they were outward shows. And today I know what faith without works is dead really means. You know, I was going through the motions today because I'm in 10, 11, and 12. I'm, I'm living the program. And, oh, you know, what a gift. What a gift this program is. And today, what, what a gift that I can feel useful. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Maria. And Susan, please share. This is Susan. Can you hear me? I can. Thanks. Thank you. Susan C., compulsive overeater in New York. I'm 
struck by some of the parallels to page 52, which is the bedevilments. We were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our, our emotional natures. We were a prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Now, clearly, um, a recovered man, Bill, uh, does not have all of these bedevilments. Clearly, he had a feeling of usefulness. That was one of the skill sets, tools that he used to deal with some of these other bedevilments. And clearly, he could be of real help to other people. Look at this program that's emerged that uh, began with him and then Dr. Bob. However, I so appreciate Bill's honesty. We never rise above being human. Now, I speak as someone who is still working the steps, so I'm not, um, I'm not up to step nine. I haven't gotten halfway through, which is where the promises, which are the uh, antithesis of the bedevilments, start to come to fruition, or we perhaps are seeing all or most of them. I don't know. I'm not there. Um, but Again, in never rising above being human, even as a recovered man, I am learning and we are all getting to hear and see that we never arrive. Recovered as defined by the big book means that the, uh, the obsession of the mind is uh, expelled or the mental twist, I guess, are the words used in the big book. And so even though Bill has... Um, thoughts of of drinking. The point is he doesn't drink, but that doesn't mean that in his humanness that he doesn't experience some very difficult moments, days, possibly weeks and or months. And all I want to say uh, in, in conclusion, because we've spent a lot of time on this and I don't want to belabor it too much, is just that there's a piece that's not mentioned. It says when all other measures fail. I just want to say that for me, today, I don't want to divert with anything um, to try and manage my emotions. I don't want to divert with food, other addictions, other, you know, placing my reliance on other things. I don't even want to divert by turning to others to avoid what's going on inside. So a, an imperative step for me on a daily basis is to do steps 10 and 11. And then once I'm doing that, then I can do other positive things like turn outside of myself toward others. But if I don't do that and I just turn to others, then I'm really pushing down the root of the problem just as I used to do with the food. I may be more helpful to society, but I'm not really dealing with the root. I want to, yes, get outside of myself, but first I want to see what's going on within myself. Thanks so much, and I pass. Thank you, Susan. Uh, let's move on to the next paragraph. Um, Kimmy, would you read it for us? Kathy, can you hear me? Hello? Can you hear me? Yes, Kimmy, I can hear you. Okay, great. Thank you. Hi, this is Kimmy from, um, oh, I just lost my page, sorry, from Connecticut, and... 15, the bottom part. Yes, I got it. We commenced to make fast, many fast friends, and fellowship has grown among us, of which it is wonderful thing to feel a part. 
the joy of living we really have, even under pressure and difficulty. I have seen hundreds of families set their feet in the path that really go somewhere, have seen the most impossible domestic situations rightened, feuds and bitterness of all sorts wiped out. I have seen men come out of asylums and resume a vital place in the lives of their families and communities. Business and professional men have regained their standing. There is scarcely any form of trouble and misery which has not been overcome among us. In one western city and its environments, there are 1,000 of us and our families. We meet frequently so that newcomers may find fellowship they seek. At these informational gatherings, one may often see from 50 to 200 persons. We are growing in numbers and power. In 2001, AA is composed of over 100,000 groups. And the thing that pops out for me is, you know, these are these are the promises that Bill has seen as a result of working these steps. And this is where the fellowship just starts to bud. This is where, you know, gathering our hands in fellowship, uh, even though uh, fellowship is not going to keep me sober, this is where the beginning of this program starts to bud and how working with others really sets forth the ability to be uh, to have the promises come true and to have um, things like uh, hundreds of uh, feuds and bitterness of all sorts wiped out for people to um, right their wrongs and people regaining their standings. These are things that, you know, in the darkest days of uh, my compulsive overeating, I could have never imagined but today, these promises of walking among, you know, just normal people and, and feeling that I'm a part of life and feeling that, you know, I can contribute, these are promises that that occur among us. And I just want to comment quickly on the... Um, the population of Overeaters Anonymous and or of AA and how it started, and you know finding this fellowship among us and how there were 50 to 200 people and growing in numbers is because these people set forth in you know commencing these steps and how exponentially they have grown over time. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Kimmy. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Hi, Kelly. This is Kim. This is Larry. Hiya. Okay, I heard Larry. Hiya. Kim. Julie. Hiya. Um, Julie. Anyone else? Paula. Paula. Okay. That's not fair. I'm not even sure we'll get through all of you, but let's see. So we'll have Larry, Kim, Hiya, Julie, and Paula. Go ahead, Larry. Yeah. You can skip me. This is Haya. Go ahead and skip me so we have time for others. Okay. Thank you, Haya. Larry, go ahead. Hi, this is Larry, recovered uh, compulsive reader from Chicago. Can you hear me okay? I can. Okay. Just make it brief. Um, yeah, this paragraph, there's so much in here. Um, you know, we commenced to make many fast friends, and the fellowship has grown up among us, <clears throat> of which it is wonderful to feel a part the joy of living we really have, even under pressure and difficulty. Um, yeah, that's that's been the case for me. You know, there's a joy that I have by being a part of this fellowship. I mean, it's it's truly amazing. 
you know, and, and, you know, when you look at, like, even in the, the family afterwards, you know, that, you know, it talks about, you know, we've been speaking to you of serious and sometimes tragic things, of course. We, you know, we've been dealing with alcohol in its worst aspect. But we aren't a glum lot, you know. And if, if newcomers could see no joy or fun in our existence, they wouldn't want it. We absolutely insist on enjoying, on enjoying life. And, and that is indeed what I, what I experience today with this, uh, the joy that comes with being a part of this fellowship, this absolute amazing, you know, ability to recover. I mean, my goodness, where did this come from, you know? And, and so consequently, what I bring out today to my relationships, work relationships, family, friends, is an entirely different thing. You know, you squeeze an orange, what comes out? Orange juice. You squeezed me years ago, not that many years ago, you're going to get, what you're going to get is bitterness, resentment, fear, uh, sometimes interspersed with seeming, you know, joy or exuberance. But primarily what you're going to get from me is just what existed, what resided deep within, which was, which was, um, which was unhappiness and confusion and frustration, you know, and now, you know, you squeeze me to use that you know, to use that, that metaphor, the orange, I mean, um, you know, what, what I can bring now to my life is, uh, is something entirely different. And it all, I want to tell you so much that it came from me, you know, that it's about me and what I've done, but it isn't. It's, 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 I'm so crystal clear today that it is about the power and the miraculous, um, uh, just availability of my God and, 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 and the higher power that has brought me to this place. And so, of course, I enjoy that. And i um, so grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry. Uh, Kim, you're next. Thanks, Kathy. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, the prior, the prior paragraph, it is designed for living that works in rough going. And in this paragraph, the joy of living we really have, even under pressure and difficulty. You know, I spent years thinking food and weight was my problem. If I get my food under control, everything in life would be wonderful. You know, if I lost weight, everything in life would be wonderful. And that's not life. You know, I, I really thought that third step question we have on page 61, am I not the victim of the delusion that I can wrest satisfaction out of life if only I manage well? That's what I thought. If I can get my way, I'm going to be all right. And what this is saying is when we become recovered, when we get the connection with our higher power, life is still going to happen. But now we have a God in our life that's going to help us with that. When I put God's will before Kim's will, I'm able to be peaceful. When I start exerting Kim's will, I start to be miserable. And if you are not at step 10, 11, and 12, this is not your reality. And I used to think, but I did step two. I should be feeling happy and joyous now. Well, I, I turned my will over to God in step three. I should be feeling wonderful now. What this is saying is when you work through all the steps, this is going to be your reality. When you are in the steps, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be anxious. That's the big book is actually trying to create that. It's creating an anxiety and an urgency to get through these steps because we're holding our breath underwater. 
So this is what is possible if you work through the, the 12 steps. This is not what's possible if you just get abstinent. This is not what's possible if you're in step three or step five or step seven or step eight or step nine. This is what's possible if you work through these 12 steps. Not that life is going to be perfect. Because let me tell you, the circumstances I had in 2010, the end of 2010, are the same circumstances I had in March 2011 after I went through the steps. But my experience of those circumstances were totally changed because my roots had grasped a new soil. My relationship with God took precedence and the circumstances in my life didn't rock me. And believe me, it didn't matter whether a family member was diagnosed with um, cancer or if I went out and found a flat tire. Either way, my world could be rocked when I was living in this disease. So this is a design for living and rough going and the joy of living that we can have when we walk in this program. But this happens after we get through the steps, after we get this relationship with God. And that is the motivation for us to walk through these steps, be willing to be uncomfortable, be willing to, to, uh, to reach out to other people so that we can get through these steps so we can have our own spiritual experience. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Uh, Julie? Hi, this is Julie, a recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, this, this paragraph just speaks about where I'm going to be once I live in 10, 11, and 12. Yes, same thing that was just said. I am going to have issues at work. I am going to have issues at home. But the difference is, how am I going to react to them? I am not that same Julie before she had her spiritual awakening. My first thought thought is not going to be self. It's going to be, okay, God, help me. Help me make this decision. Let me move forward. Life is not just going to be a perfect 10 every day. But I have different ways of looking at it now. And um, there's one sentence. We meet frequently so that newcomers may find the fellowship they seek. You know, I'm here to work with newcomers. And yes, I'm here to get strength from other recovered people because I, I need that also. But the newcomers are our lifeblood. Uh, I just look at Dr. Bob and the, I think the 5,000 people he brought to this program and that they were able to have spiritual awakening, spiritual experience. Um, you know, I'm here for the newcomer. And, uh, you know, there's every day there's newcomers on this line and it's great if, if we can call them because that's how I stay recovered. So thanks very much. Thank you, Julie. And Paula, you'll be our last share today. Thank you. This is Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And, you know, much has been said, but I'm going to go to that beginning, beginning line, too. We commenced, and there at the beginning, to make many fast friends, not not the friends that you meet in. And you know, Doctor Bill W. explains it so beautifully when he says, "You know, there was the bar, there was the bar. What was he to do? Oh, he could hear the music, and it drifted after him. By the way, you know how that is. Oh, I'd made a decision, but the thought comes. Hmm. And what did he do? He found a phone booth. He found a church directory, and he made a call." You want to talk about beginnings, but I want to end here and yet another beginning. The joy of living we really have, even under pressure and difficulty, 
you know the glory it is to wake up in the morning without the four horsemen there right from the very beginning, the joy of living, to finally have the humility to get on my knees, to get on my knees and know how little I am and how big God is and that he will carry the little things wherever it goes to, even under pressure and difficulty. And I want to, again, it says here, I have seen the most impossible domestic situations righted, fusion bitterness of all sorts wiped out. And it goes on. You see, that's what life does. It goes on. And it says here, I have seen hundreds of families set their feet in the path that really goes somewhere. I am going somewhere today, living life fully and totally, and I am grateful, and I am grateful for this meeting, and I thank all here, and with that, I say adieu. Thank you, Paula. Okay, thank you, everyone who has shared and been with us this morning. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Susan C., will you please read a vision for you? Yes. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. I'm getting phobic about unmuting. Uh, Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. And I pass.